Chapter 17, The Vietnam War. Your crack of dough, money, morning coffee, strong pouring everything it got into a paycheck Friday night. Your power stroke, diesel, backhoe, riding king of bears. Welcome back to the Tail Lines Podcast. To all my students, notice the noise of the oscillating fans. Not a problem because you kids are usually way more noisy when it comes to class time. We're taking a look here today at our Chapter 17 PowerPoint. <clears throat> We're looking at Vietnam, as it said there in the intro with uh, my Forrest Gump clip. Make sure, students, if you can, that you go out and you take a look at watching Remember the Titans to wrap up our civil rights era. It's pretty crazy to me that um, we have a whole chapter in our textbook that covers the whole era of racism uh, that existed within our country, but it is what it is, and it's part of um, where we were at one point. Working with people like uh, Bruce Bolden, it blows me away when I think about how that opportunity wouldn't have been around 50 years ago. Coach Bolden is a great, great man. Worked with another guy, another African-American individual, Jerome Perry out in Yoakum, Texas. It was another tremendous man. Um, and, and the progress we've made as a nation gives me a lot of hope that we're going to continue to make that kind of progress. Let's go forward. Chapter 17, the Vietnam, Vietnam War, okay? So... Let me pull up my notes here. <clears throat> Vietnam has a wild history, kids. A lot of different countries have, circle, have circled Vietnam the way buzzards circle a small dead animal on the side of the road. Many of those countries undoubtedly 
uh, underestimated the ability of Vietnam to persistently fight and ward off many colonial suitors, including the Spanish, Portuguese, and British at various times. However, the French did eventually take control um, of at least a portion of the, of the area there in Vietnam, about a third of it, and then eventually um, they were able to take the entire area for a long period of time, probably about 60 or so years, a little over 60 years. Vietnam, for many decades, uh, spanning throughout the 19th and 20th centuries, which again, kids, for those of you that have problems with this, the 19th century is the 1800s, and the 20th century is the 19th, 1900s. Um, things changed, however, when World War II came around because the Japanese were becoming much more imperialistic themselves, and obviously France was having its own problems right around that time on their own home country land as as we remember kids they're going to lose control of their area their actual home base area of france during that time as the germans invade them and so what uh, you end up with is anybody that is a french colonial destination of sorts is going to end up uh, kind of in in a limbo of sorts and that's going to allow the japanese to come in and um go ahead and slide into that territory which of course the Vietnamese will not like. We're going to go to the next slide here. With the Japanese beginning that, those occupational efforts in Vietnam and the French on the ropes a revolutionary by the name of Ho Chi Minh united communists in, in Vietnam and the anti-communists in that area in an effort to get rid of the Japanese. It's very similar to the discussion that we had in class about the Chinese Civil War that was going on and the fact that uh, Although the Chinese couldn't really get along between the communists and the anti-communists, you also had a situation where they disliked the, um, the, the Japanese even more, of course, and, and did not want them coming in and trying to, to basically enslave them in a way, because in a lot of ways that's what colonialism is. You're controlled by the, the powers that be in another country, right? So it's... Uh, you're going to be taxed by them. You're not going to be represented in that country. Uh, that, that's the whole roots of our country, of course. Anyhow, let's move forward. Uh, when you look at this, um, a revolutionary by the name... Let me catch up to here where I was in an effort to get rid of the Japanese. You look at this, and it's a lot like um, you know what we have today. Donald Trump and many Demo our president, who's a Republican, and many Democratic mayors and governors that are working together to try to help get America through this whole coronavirus situation, okay? Uh, and again, I already mentioned the, the Chinese Civil War example as well. Sometimes people put up their swords to try to take care of a bigger dragon, uh, you know, swords, rather than trying to take, uh, take it out on each other, I guess you could say. So, Vietnam wants their freedom, kids, but at the same time, freedom comes at a price. And, and once they're going to get it, they're going to see what that, that price is. You guys would all love to move out of your homes. You would love to be on your own. Uh, but you're not going to like the rent check that comes in, the electric bill that comes in. You're not going to enjoy paying your own car insurance eventually. There's a lot of different things that are going to hit you in the face once you capitalize on the greatness of freedom. Freedom has a cost. Sometimes it's at war, sometimes it's in your mailbox. Anyhow, let's go forward. When Japan surrenders in 1945, uh, we're on slide four here. When Japan surrenders in 1945, Vietnam is going to declare its independence. And again, they're going to move out. And France is, is trying to put their own country back together. If you remember, we talked about all the aid that the United States is sending over to France during that time. And here you have a situation where France is going to try to continue to control over these next almost a decade, but about eight years. They're going to try to con uh, continue to control their former colony. Uh, the Viet Minh, um, which again, those are the, the folks that are controlled by Ho Chi Minh, are going to go into hiding. We're on slide five now. The Viet Minh uh, fought the French and took control of large territories. France sought help from the United States. And although we did want France to kind of maintain control because we did not want South Vietnam, which it really wasn't fully divided at that point, but we did not want Vietnam to become a communist country. <clears throat> and we knew that China definitely wanted to suck all of that region into the world of communism 
And so we're, we're in a catch-22 of sorts where we, we don't support colonial, colonialism, but we also uh, have an issue there where, you know, maybe we feel like um, things would be better if France maintained control. And it, it, what's the cost to us, right? Well, I'm going to get into that. Six, make sure you pay specific attention to this picture. And kids, and I'm going to say this again later, make sure you look at a map. When you look at China and you look to the, uh, there just south of it and everything, you're going to find Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, and, and many of these places that are, that are all there in that um, southern Asia portion. Okay, take a look there at the domino. If you set up a bunch of dominoes and you pushed one, would the rest of them fall down? Well, that's where this whole idea comes from. And hopefully you've already watched the super teacher video. What you have here uh, on this slide is the whole concept of the domino theory. Eisenhower and Truman both supported the policy of the domino theory. They believed that if Vietnam fell to communism, the rest of Southeast Asia would follow. Okay, We go all the way back to Eisenhower and Truman and the fears that, that brought us into Korea. And these are the same fears that we have to, at this point in time with Vietnam. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to send aid to, to the French. And of course, as you know from our previous discussions, that aid comes in the form of various things, supplies, money, whatever it takes to help them be successful. We'll call it resources. Slide seven, the Viet Minh fought using a guerrilla warfare, uh, using guerrilla warfare tactics, which is using irregular troops who blended in with civilians. So a lot of the time, it's almost like terrorism, if you related it to today, where People that, that seek to do harm to various government entities are actually kind of disguised as just being a normal person, similar to what you had on 9-11, right? Okay, 1954, um, the French forces are going to fall to the Viet Minh, and France is going to withdraw from Indochina, all right, which is that whole region there with, with uh, Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam, and so on. The outcome of this is going to be called the Geneva Accords, all right? France and Vietnam met to negotiate peace. Uh, Vietnam is divided at the 17th parallel. Again, look at a map. It'll help you a lot. All we've got here is a handshake going on. Ho Chi Minh and the Viet Minh controlled northern Vietnam. All right, so we're going to have this divided Vietnam that's taking place right here. We're on our next slide. The Geneva Accords continued. A pro-Western regime would control the South, led by, I'm going to try to pronounce this, No Den Diem, okay? And uh, this individual is not very popular, and we're going to get into that. He's so unpopular, he's going to be uh, killed, assassinated, so to speak. In 1956, uh, one of the things that comes out of the Geneva Accords is the idea that an election would be held to reunite the country, all right? The, this agreed upon election is never going to take place, however. All right? uh, after the election of 1956 does not take place, Ho Chi Minh is going to seek to retake the entire country. He organized a guerrilla army in the southern portion of Vietnam there and calls the South Vietnamese communists the Viet Cong. All right? And these are going to be kind of your insurrection group there in that southern portion of Vietnam that are going to try to further push out the European influence that exists there. Many oppose Diem's uh, government and support the Viet Cong. All right? So there's a lot of people there that feel like, you know what, we would be a lot better off without this European influence. Kennedy supports Diem's government. Uh, that's our president. United States President John F. Kennedy is supportive of this. Uh, this government that's put in place there in South Korea that's going to maintain some connections of sorts of Western civilization into that area. In 1961, there are 2,000 U.S. military personnel in Vietnam, and by 1963, we're going to have ramped that up to 15,000 total troops. Take it back on from slide 12 here, kids. In 1963, Diem banned Buddhist flags from being displayed. Because the nation had a large population belonging to the Buddhist religion, this was considered widely unpopular. If you take a look at Vietnam today, it has a population that ranges about nearly 80% of different types of traditional religions of sorts. 
so you got 80% almost of the population that does not practice Buddhism or Catholicism. That's the real, uh, a major divide that's going on here between the folks in Vietnam is you have uh, China, which has a large Buddhist population that's bleeding into the north side of Vietnam, and you've had all these years of French influence along with other European powers that have come and gone. You have, uh, you know, the Spanish had some uh, different fortifications there as well. And so you have a lot of Catholic influence that's going on there as well. So you have a lot of problems that are coming about because of differences in religion. And what's going to happen is, is that um, <clears throat> because the, the population does have this large Buddhist religion, this is going to cause some different types of situations like for example as it says here on slide 12 a buddhist monk is going to set himself on fire in protest so these types of things are happening and they don't come off real well looking at slide 13 let me go back to my notes here make sure i don't miss anything a group of dm's generals launched a military coup dm is overthrown and executed also considered assassinated anyhow Southern Vietnam's government is going to weaken, and that has a lot to do with the fact that anytime you have turnover, people have to find a new solution. So think about it like the Titanic. When the boat turns over, people have to find a new solution. Some of them get on yeah, air rafts and different things of that nature. Some of them drown and go to the bottom of it. You've got a lot of loss that happens with turnover. It doesn't matter if it's a government or a boat. And so you've got to put those things into perspective. Taking a look at slide 14. I'm going to read on this particular issue directly from the textbook to make sure that I don't say anything that's not state approved when it comes to the Gulf of Tonkin resolution, but I'm going to tell you right now, or the Gulf of Tonkin incident rather, but I'm going to tell you right now that you can research some different things. There's a lot of different opinions, a lot of information out there that's very interesting when it comes to this particular issue. Looking at page 502 under the subsection Johnson and Vietnam. Just three weeks after Diem's death, Kennedy was assassinated. The presidency and the growing problem of Vietnam now belong to President Lyndon B. Johnson. Although he approached Vietnam cautiously at first, Johnson wanted to keep the country from falling to the communists. Additionally, some had blamed Democrats when China became communist in 1949. Should the Democrats love Vietnam, Johnson feared? It might shatter my presidency, kill my administration, and damage our democracy. Oh. That don't say love. That says lose. Kids, you got to get your eyes checked every once in a while. So should the Democrats lose Vietnam, Johnson feared, it might shatter my presidency, kill my administration, and damage our democracy. So he felt a real need there to try to maintain control and win in Vietnam. On August 2nd, continuing the text, 1964, Johnson announced the Nor that North Vietnamese torpedo boats had fired on two U.S. destroyers in the Gulf of Tonkin. Two days later, he reported another attack. Insisting that these were unprovoked, he ordered American aircraft to attack North Vietnamese ships and naval facilities. Johnson then asked Congress for the authority to defend American forces and allies in Southeast Asia. Congress readily agreed, and on August 7, 1964, it passed the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution. This authorized the President to take all necessary measures to repel any armed attack against the forces of the United States and to prevent further aggression. Soon after the Viet Cong began to attack bases where American advisors were stationed in South Vietnam. <clears throat> Let me read that sentence to you a little bit better. Soon after, the Viet Cong began to attack bases where American advisors were stationed in South Vietnam. After one particularly damaging attack, Johnson sent American, uh, sent American aircraft to bomb North Vietnam. So here's where you can totally see that the war is getting ramped up to a whole nother level. Okay, We've got the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution taking place. Congress is going to get on board with Johnson being able to do what he feels he needs to do. By 1965, Johnson's going to have 180,000 U.S. combat troops in Vietnam. And 1966, that number is going to double to 360,000 U.S. troops in Vietnam. And, of course, we are on slide 16 <clears throat> at this point. 
slide 17 moving forward let's see here the Viet Cong lacked the firepower that the US had so they relied on ambushes booby traps and other guerrilla tactics in addition they blended in with the general population which we talked about when I mentioned guerrilla warfare tactics earlier on and in addition to that kids you can totally see the value of what it means when you're you know go all the way back to the American Revolution right that the people that lived here in the colonies they knew the land and that gave them a huge advantage when it came to dealing with the British this is gonna be not that much different in Vietnam there's a lot of people that don't want us there and so the fact that they know the land they're gonna use the land to hurt us and it's gonna cause us to be in this war for a lot a lot more time and, and, and a lot more loss than many people will believe historically we should have been there for. Looking at slide 18, American forces tried to draw them out into the open. We wanted to bring them out of the jungles, right? You know, go and throw a ball at the wasp nest and then spray them with the spray. Don't actually do that because there could be thousands in that wasp nest. Anyways, but that's the idea that we have, all right? Napalm attacks are used as well as Asian orange. So let's go ahead and take a look what your textbook says these two things are. Napalm, of course, is a jelly gasoline that explodes on, that explodes on contact. Agent orange is a chemical that strips leaves from trees and shrubs turning farmland and forest into wasteland. Kids, you can look some of this stuff up to get a better uh, idea of what it actually looks like in terms of destruction. I recommend you do that. There's a lot of good videos on YouTube. Please be careful how you search these things because you don't want to end up on a list, right? <clears throat> Anyways, let's go forward. Let me just make a quick correction there. That should say leaves, um, not leave. We're on slide 19 together. American generals believe that bombing and killing large numbers of Viet Cong would destroy their morale and lead them to surrender. So we felt like we could basically put them into a war of submission. What's really happening though is we're basically in a war of submission. North Vietnam is going to provide arms, advisors, and leadership for the Viet Cong in Southern Vietnam. So they've got a a nice pipeline that we're getting to here known as the Ho Chi Minh Trail that they're going to be putting supplies into and you can notice here on this picture the way that this thing not only goes all the way down with a big main line but it's also got branched out areas almost like a tree so you've got multiple sources receiving these different resources and so that's going to play very much into the favor of continuing to arm and prepare these uh, members of the Viet Cong in terms of fighting the uh, you know the US forces that are occupying the territory at the time so the thing that you would probably most relate the Ho Chi Minh Trail to I would think not necessarily in terms of what the desired outcome was but certainly in terms of the way that they used it for the their desired advantage or outcome would be like the Underground Railroad, all right? This was a way that they could pipeline the things they needed, like many of the slaves needed, felt they needed to get to freedom. The, many of the North Vietnamese felt that they needed to get supplies down to the members of the Viet Cong to help them be formidable enough to take on uh, the U.S. and other troops that are there at the time, okay? So let's take a look here. We should be on slide 21 together. North Vietnam also received support from the Soviet Union and China. Okay, we knew that. We knew that these supplies were coming from somewhere. There's no way that that the northern portion of Vietnam, you take a look at it on a map. I mean, it's not, it's, it almost looks like um, you know, if you ordered a chicken strip basket, you'd have China, India, Kazakhstan, and, and Russia would be your chicken strips, and Vietnam would be a small french fry. <clears throat> so the fact that they had the resources they had led us to believe that certainly somebody had ordered a chicken strip dinner from somewhere. Anyhow, Johnson realizes that we're not going to win this fight by gaining territory, so he really doesn't want us advancing beyond the agreed upon boundaries of the Geneva Accords. We're just going to sit there and fight an occupational war 
which we've also done in Iraq and Afghanistan, and oftentimes uh, students, people look back at it and they, they always wonder, was the cost worth the outcome? So we, we continue to repeat history and that's a big reason we need to study it. Taking a look here at slide 22, Vietnam becomes a war of attrition uh, where the enemy is defeated by wearing them down. That's what uh, basically President Johnson believed that we needed to do. Again, force them into submission. U.S. troops had to count the bodies of the enemies killed to measure the progress. Doesn't that sound like an enjoyable activity? Just kidding, of course. Advancing on to slide 23. Vietnamese citizens and U.S. soldiers were dying in increasing numbers and the war would not be over soon. And here's the deal. A lot of Americans are going to support this war early on, as can be seen on slide 24. You've got 66% of Americans that are supporting this war in 1965. However, that number is going to start to dwindle as time goes on. And I'm going to go into some of the reasons that that, that number did start to dwindle. Uh, news reports and the official reports from the government began to conflict. William Westmoreland, the American commander of Vietnam, said the war, uh, that the end was in sight when it came to this war. So he believed we were close to success. And a lot of the times we do. We trust the advice of the people that, that we put in charge and we go with it. And for a while here, we're going to go with it in Vietnam. And it doesn't mean that anybody made the right decision or wrong decision. That's your, your choice to make. As I always tell you, I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm here to teach you to think, right? Um, that's the most important thing. So news reports are going to show the piles of dead American soldiers. That's going to be the big thing, students, that is going to make a huge difference in terms of this war as opposed to, say, World War II or, um, you know, of course, the Korean War and so on. So you think about this and, and the television and the role that it played in the Vietnam War, and I think you can, you can make a big link a correlation, so to speak, in terms of what we're currently seeing with this coronavirus, right? We've got more than 58,000 Americans that are going to die fighting this war. Compare that to the current worldwide death toll of the coronavirus, which as of tonight is right around 34,000. Vietnam has a huge impact in terms of lives lost. Think about if people could have watched the death toll online live up to date every 30 or so minutes the way that they're doing with the coronavirus people probably would have been panicking they would have been uh, upset about it. they would have been driven to maybe get out of the war faster who knows i mean based on what we're seeing here today these live statistics that are coming out just like the the news that is showing this devastation is going to change american opinions very quickly on this war Probably not as quickly as some would have felt that it should have happened, but it is going to happen, and, and it's going to cause a lot of conflict politically. Let's move forward here to slide 25. Vietnam is the first televised war. Americans can see these images daily on their television. So a uh, credibility gap is going to be developed. That's a vocabulary word. Look it up in the textbook. Make sure you know what it means. Uh, and, it, and, and a lot of people are going to not believe what the Johnson administration tells. So you're going to have a, a big loss in terms of the American public's beliefs in the government during this time. But it's going to become even bigger later on down the road. Okay, uh, Teach-ins are held across uh, the entire nation where teachers and students sit down and discuss the issues surrounding the war and reaffirm their reasons for opposing it. And kids, what I'll say about this here on slide 26, that's where I am. If you have the capability to do this, on Hulu, you can watch a show called The Wonder Years. Watch the show The Wonder Years, Season 2, Episode 10. This shows a, a demonstration of what it was like to be a kid in, a sub, in like suburb America while this was going on. Beware, though. You may become addicted. That show has unbelievably addictive properties. I'm going to have to warn you. But I will tell you right now, Season 2, Episode 10, go on there and watch that and take a look at the debate that you see going on in that classroom. And again, if you have Hulu, 
and and you will find the show very interesting. I've recommended this to friends in the past, and they I'll be darned if they don't binge watch all six seasons, no problem. It's a great show. Taking a look here at slide 27. Some people saw the Vietnam War as a civil war and that the U.S. had no reason to be involved. Others saw it as though South Vietnam was a corrupt dictatorship and believed that defending it was immoral. So you've got two different types of dissenters when it comes to the 34% of Americans that are not supporting this war, right? You've got a lot of students that are going to march on Washington, D.C. to protest the war. You got tens of thousands of protesters that are going to gather at the Lincoln Memorial. And if you watch Forrest Gump, as I previously suggested, you will see this area right here that you can see in the picture we're looking at. And um, it, 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 they, they show this area in the movie, and you'll be able to see as they have a big protest and everything uh, related to the Vietnam War. You know, a lot, lot of crazy things go down right there at that area. So take a look here on slide 30. Oh, looky there, a bunch of hippies taking a bath. Just kidding, of course, <clears throat> but uh, maybe not. Anyhow, take a look at slide 31. Many protesters focus on what they view as an unfair draft system. Until 1969, college students could defer military service until after graduation. This meant that the working class families and minorities who could not afford to pay to go to school were more likely to be drafted. Don't you wish that the lottery worked as well as that might work for poorer people? So that, that's the feeling at least. Looking at slide 32, eventually college students are also at risk for the draft. A half a million draftees are going to say, ain't no way I'm going to Vietnam, including, including Muhammad Ali, the great boxer, the great American boxer, who's going to end up in prison over this whole deal. So as we look here at slide 33, some will burn their draft cards, refuse to show up to uh, induction, and others are going to flee the country. 3,000 Americans are going to be prosecuted for refusing to serve from 1965 to 1968. Students, I'm going to take a break to eat some chili cheese Fritos. Let's uh, allow you also a break to listen to a great song, very relevant to the Vietnam War, Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA.
taking a look here at slide 34. 1969 lottery system was created to make the draft more fair. Many draftees are going to argue that if they were old enough to fight, that they were old enough to vote, which is going to lead us to the 26th Amendment in 1971, where all citizens age 18 and older will have the right to vote in state and federal elections. And if you remember, students, we also talked about this when we got to Prohibition and the whole argument that if you're old enough to fight, aren't you old enough to drink? You know, we've covered a lot of that stuff. And so this becomes the whole issue at this point is, uh, if we're old enough to fight, aren't we old enough to vote? And so you're gonna see that federally across the entire United States where 18 and older are gonna have the right to vote. Slide 35, the nation is divided. You've got two different groups, the doves and the hawks. The doves, they want peace. The hawks, they want war. Looking at slide 36, the Tet Offensive. Tet is the Vietnamese New Year. The Viet Cong and North Vietnamese are going to launch a surprise air attack on American air bases and even blast the U.S. Embassy in Saigon. Look at a map, kids. Make sure you look at a map so that you understand where this is all happening. Americans are shocked that they could pull off such a large-scale attack. Where did all those weapons come from? I don't know. If only they'd had electronic transaction proof, you know, like you do with banking and stuff back then with uh, different types of military devices that were certainly coming from China and Russia. Anyhow, let's move forward. Johnson began to lose the support of the American public. Robert Kennedy, JFK's younger brother, announces that he's going to run for president. We're on slide 38 at this point. Johnson says that in order to prevent a divide of the Democratic Party, He's not going to accept the nomination to run for president. So going forward to slide 39, probably a wise decision by uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, by the way, while we're at it. Robert Kennedy is, uh, is likely to win the election, or so, so it appears. Um, 1968, while campaigning, he's going to be assassinated by an Arab nationalist. Americans feel that the nation is plagued with violence from assassinations, riots, and protests. So as we're looking here at slide 40, do you hear any of those kinds of words and talk that, you know, during this time period that we're living in right now? You do. That's because history repeats itself and doomsday is always right around the corner. And, and so, you know, a lot of the time you can't, uh, you can't let these types of things impact you and your day-to-day -day decisions. Whatever's going to happen a lot of the time in, in situations, you, you know, that go on worldwide. For example, the coronavirus. Let's go back to that. That's beyond your control. All you can do is what you believe is right, and that's the most important thing. If you go all the way back to slide 37 very quickly, I want to make a quick joke. Uh, about myself here, Johnson began to lose. Uh, sorry, Johnson began to lose the support of the American public, not lose it, as it said in the original PowerPoint that was posted. So typos happen. Oh well. Anyhow, looking here at slide 41, Nixon is going to win the election of 1968. People believe that he'll bring order to the chaos that is plaguing our nation. He appoints Henry Kissinger as a special assistant for national security affairs. His policy of linkage meant to improve relations between the Soviet Union and China in the hopes they would stop aiding North Vietnam. Again, we know that's happening, and so we figure, how do we stop that from happening? And the answer that we come up with is, is linkage. Move forward to slide 43, please. Nixon begins the process of Vietnamization, the process of gradually withdrawing U.S. troops while South Vietnam continues the fight. As Nixon removes troops, he increases the number of airstrikes, including secret bombings of the Viet Cong in Cambodia. If you think about it, this is very similar to the, uh, the whole process that England used during the World War II. You know, the British having that safeguard, that geographic boundary of water between them and a lot of the rest of Western Europe. 
they were able to fly in and drop bombs on Germany during that conflict, whereas France faced the sad misfortune of being very close to Germany and having that land. You know, people can march across it and they can come into your area and they can take it. But it's a lot better boundary when you have water. And so you look at a lot of the U.S. boundaries and everything. You know, whether you talk about the Pacific, the Atlantic, the Rio Grande, wherever you want to look, we've got a lot of boundaries that are determined based upon bodies of water. Even states have that. And so where does that come from? Well, a lot of it comes from being intelligent, kids. All right? When you notice how Great Britain is so well protected, you know, during that whole ordeal that takes place during World War II, you notice that and you say, well, they're way better off than France. Okay? That's, a, that's one way. And you can go way back, many different conflicts throughout the course of history where water is one of the best geographic boundaries that you can come up with in the event that conflict does eventually occur. So, again, just something for you to think about there uh, in terms of our very own boundaries here in the United States. Looking forward here to slide 44. In 1970, Nixon is going to announce that U.S. forces had entered Cambodia to destroy Viet Cong bases. Americans became outraged as they viewed this as an expansion of the war. Protests are going to erupt across the nation. Students, make sure that you look up on a map, Cambodia. It's right there next to Vietnam. So, uh, again, you know, and there are some maps included, of course. Go backwards. Go backwards in the slideshow if you don't want to look up a map. Go backwards and take a look at where all this is happening because... This is one of the countries that was included in that set of dominoes that I showed you on like slide seven or eight, wherever that, that ended up being. Anyhow, look in, uh, looking forward here to slide 45, take a look. The National Guard armed with tear gas and rifles is gonna fire upon student demonstrators at Kent State University. Students, I'm gonna tell you, you have a right to protest in this country, but you also, need to make sure that you understand that sometimes protests get out of control in, in, in at least some people's minds and what ends up happening is law enforcement or even military is called in and they have to deal with the situation and law enforcement and military they're made up of people just like demonstrators at a protest sometimes people get out of hand and sometimes people do things they shouldn't go ahead on the YouTube look up the the uh, the Kent State um, tragedy there and and make a decision for yourself look at numerous sources again not here to tell you what to think just here to teach you to think so take a look at that and um, you know and, and make sure that when you get to that college area that you don't put yourself in a position where you could be going there to demonstrate and you end up leaving there uh, not the way you intended to so be, be very careful about things that you engage in and that's not in any way meant to dissuade anybody from protesting always stand up for what you believe in but also also always be ready to get out if it seems like it picks up too much and you know you fear the consequences could be much much greater than the benefits so there's another day to protest maybe tomorrow Anyhow, December, uh, December, let me get back to my notes here very quickly, make sure I don't gloss over anything. Yep, looks like I'm good from here. December 1970, Congress repelled the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, removing power over the war away from the president. Okay, so all that power that they gave the president to be able to have the flexibility that he felt he needed at the time to engage in the war in Vietnam, they're gonna go ahead and rescind that with this particular um, piece of legislation, all right? The Pentagon Papers are leaked. They proved that the government intended to expand the war and proved that the government had not been honest. Kissinger announces just before the 1972 election that secret talks with the North Vietnamese leader were looking successful. Nixon is going to easily win the 1972 election. In fact, students, let me give you just a little bit of data here so that you understand how significant this victory is. When you take a look at the U.S. presidency, 
and you know George Washington there were 132 electoral votes available when he became our president in 1792 he won them all four years prior to that 1788 1789 69 available he won them all the only person ever to come close to that was President James Monroe in 1820 when he won 231 of the 232 electoral votes. The one dissenter was kind of like the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame that oftentimes one person, two people, whatever, 99.7% will support a candidate because they, they don't want them to have that George Washington type status. Okay, So James Monroe gets 231 out of 232 electoral votes. Over time, as the population has grown, the number of electors has also grown. For example, number four, FDR, is going to receive 523 out of 531 votes, which is good for 98.49% of the overall electoral votes. Ronald Reagan in 1984 is going to receive 525 out of 538 electoral votes. And then Richard Nixon here in this election of 1962 is going to receive 520 out of 538, which is 96.65% when you consider the overall number of electoral votes that exist on the table. This is, especially when you consider Reagan and Nixon, really the American presidency from the, when the television emerged onto the scene, elections really changed. You go all the way back to FDR and the fireside chats, right, in the, uh, in the 30s, and the American president become a much more wide-reaching issue for people because the president's talking to people. And the, these debates now, as we talked about all the way you know, there to Kennedy, that that's going to be the first televised presidential debate. So at this point, when you're talking about post-Kennedy, this stuff is in people's face. All right. So when you're looking at re-election campaigns, you've got to think, you know, how, how does Ronald Reagan or Richard Nixon, how do these re-election campaigns, how do they compare to Barack Obama and President Bill Clinton? And you got to scroll quite a ways down there to really look at um, and find those campaigns in comparison because, again, you have, um, you know, 97.58% with Ronald Reagan and 96.65% with Richard Nixon. And so if I say, control, oh, there we go, uh, <clears throat> Bill Clinton's going to get 379 out of 538, which is good for 70.45%. And then you got to scroll down a little bit there with Barack Obama, who gets 365 out of 538, which is 67.84%. And those are big victories by Bill Clinton and Barack Obama in terms of their re-election. However, it's a no contest when it comes to what Richard Nixon did in 1972. And that's an important thing for many of you to know. So let's go ahead and go forward here to slide 49. Kissinger's negotiations with North Vietnam are going to break down. To persuade them to restart negotiations, Nixon is going to begin the most destructive bombings of the war, known as the Christmas bombings. All right? Negotiations will resume after 11 days of these bombings. Both sides agree to stop fighting and exchange prisoners. Direct involvement in Vietnam will end in 1973. So Nixon's fed up. He's done. We... You know, whether we win or whether we lose, I guess that's probably up to different people's interpretation. But ultimately, I think you have to view it as, if we won, what did we win? Anyhow, let's go forward. In 1974, Nixon is going to resign because of the Watergate scandal, which we're going to get to in Chapter 19. In 1975, Cambodia is going to fall under the control of a communist group, the Khmer Rouge, no relation to Baton Rouge, right out of Louisiana. <laughs> okay, just kidding, kids. March of 1975, North Vietnamese troops are going to invade South Vietnam. And this is where a lot of people do consider us to have been big-time losers, because as we pull out, what many people feared would happen is going to happen, and it's going to be a, a, an issue. Gerald Ford, who's our new president after the resignation of Richard Nixon, He's going to ask for aid to go and help South Vietnam, but people are worn out on this war. And so Saigon is going to fall, and North Vietnam will control the entire country. 
Laos also destabilizes as a result of the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Communists are going to take over that area. And the domino effect is going to have played out just as predicted. The Vietnam War's human toll. It's going to be a cost of $173 billion. 58,000 Americans are going to die. 300,000 will be wounded. A million North and South Vietnam uh, Vietnamese soldiers will die. And in addition to many civilians that are living there in Vietnam, it's very similar with when you look at Iraq and Afghanistan. Our involvement in those places don't just impact soldiers. They also impact civilians. Many of those civilians have very little control over their current you know, level of existence. And so there's a, there's a whole other level of collateral damage there that often gets overlooked. As you take a look there at slide 56, you can see as these men are wading through the waters, which you can actually see a lot better footage if you watch Forrest Gump, as I originally recommended, and they're walking through the water and everything. So you got um, slide 57, some Vietnamese people that are very scared about what's going on. And you can look through each of these pictures and you can see different uh, photographs, different moments that are going on there. I'm gonna go all the way up to uh, slide 64. So we have three slides remaining, kids. Bear with me. Many American families uh, feel that the war was unresolved, especially if their relatives are classified as a prisoner of war or missing in action. P-O-W-M-I-A, those are two terms you need to know. Many feel that the government was not honest about the situation and it leads to a lot of distrust between the American people and the government. 1982, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. is going to be built. The names of those killed or missing in action from Vietnam, 58,000 plus, are all listed on that wall. So if you get a chance to visit there, make sure you go and you pay a little bit of homage to the sacrifice that many of these people made. 1973, the War Powers Act reestablished some limits on executive power, requiring the President to inform Congress of any commitment of troops abroad within 48 hours. Troops must be withdrawn within 90 days unless Congress approves the troop commitment. Students, that concludes our lecture here. I hope you enjoyed parts of it. It is a very difficult chapter to enjoy, quite frankly. It's not like the 50s where we had a lot of fun. Make sure you watch the episodes of Super Teacher. And uh, just know that we do have another episode that will come into play in Chapter 18. And also, there's going to be a couple more episodes as I've brought the, uh, the different costumes that I need to create more episodes of Super Teacher down here to where I'm quarantining myself on the beautiful, sparkling bay of Matagorda. Kids, until next week, it's been real and it's been fun, but it hadn't been real fun. Have a good one. Last week to begin the pod class, I told you all that everything was going to be all right, and I had a song for you. This week, I switched it up a little bit, telling you the same message, and I put it at the end with a different song. Let's go to it. Thanks again for tuning in here to the pod class, and if you need copies of the textbook pages or anything else for that matter, please be sure to email me. I am available. Many students emailed me last week. I got back to them within a few short minutes. If you hear the bird in the background, that's Lola. Uh, McCall Parrot that uh, sometimes gets a little rowdy. Wow! Just like you students. It's no different than being in the classroom. <laughs> All right, enjoy the song and just know everything's going to be fine, y'all. We'll hopefully be back real soon doing this in person. Knock it off, Lola.
feel safe now in this bar on Fairfax. And from the stage I can tell that she can't let go and she can't relax. And just before she hangs her head to cry, I sing to her a lullaby. sure about this place it's hard to play a gig in this town keep a straight face it seems like everybody's got a plan it's kind of like nashville with a tan Bye. 